Welcome to the Todd DeVoe Show, exploring the best ideas and lessons for leaders. Good morning, good morning, good afternoon, depending on where you are at in this fine world. And today we're going to be talking about some really important stuff. Matter of fact, uh, some things are happening right now that we're uh, probably going to discuss with earthquakes around the world. Uh, Mexico, I know, has uh, just suffered a couple of them, or at least one with some aftershocks here. We'll get into that before. I just want to thank the sponsors of the show, the Buffalo Computer Graphics and DLAN. Uh, this organization is outstanding. Uh, they have some really great products. So uh, please check them out. It's the Buffalo Computer Graphics, and they are there for all of your emergency management um, needs. So getting into our topic today, earthquakes, the great shakeout. And I'd like to introduce our guest, the famous Mark Bentian. Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks, Todd. Thanks for being here again and, and having these discussions each year leading up to ShakeOut. Yeah, I think they're really important. You know, when when we think about the great ShakeOut, the the exercise, the drill itself, you know, and, and I've told the story a thousand times, I'll tell it again. It works. You know, when I had a little 5.8 earthquake, uh, my son was like, I think 10 or 11 years old now at the time. Um, and he grabbed my my daughter, who at the time was like a year or two, and um, went under the table, held on. Um, it, was a, it was a little shaker for us. I mean, it was not going to step off the shelf. So, I mean, he did right. And it was just because he learned it in school, the duck cover and hold on. Um, and it still needs to be taught because this morning, um, one of your colleagues uh, has a TikTok channel. And he was showing people in the middle of an earthquake taking out their video camera, standing in the middle of Mexico City or Mexico, uh, videotaping the shaking and, and not drop cover and hold on. So that message still needs to get out. As emergency managers, we need to support that. Um, but uh, that's what we're here to talk about yeah. today. What, what, why, why is it important for us as emergency managers to really embrace the great shakeout and, and participate? Well, it- there are many reasons. Uh, ShakeOut was created in 2008, not only, uh, not really at first, to have people practice self-protective actions during an earthquake. It actually was created to be something that would be big, like a big earthquake, without the shaking and the actual damage and injury, but to with the aspects that would get people talking with each other about earthquake preparedness, what they should do in advance of earthquakes, what they should be doing to secure uh, furniture and other items so they won't fall during earthquakes, what they should have in their personal kits and uh, and what they should do during all of those conversations that is really what the social science research has shown is what leads people to really taking those actions, having those conversations. So that's where you have drills um, uh, that as we got, as we created that first year as a one-time event, you know, thousands of drills around Southern California um, and based on a earthquake scenario for a large earthquake on the San Andreas Fault. And that we, we looked at, okay, we have this scenario. How do we share this with the public in a way that gets people talking and it gets them engaged? And, and uh, there was an earthquake kind of in the, there was a set of activities planned in the fall of 2008, but there was an earthquake in Southern California, the 2008 Chino Hills earthquake. Um, I think it was about a 5.4. Yeah. Uh, and 
uh, kind of right in the middle of, 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 it happens to be right kind of in, this, in the area where you're like really close to all the major counties in, in the region. You're kind of Orange County, LA, San Bernardino, and Riverside all kind of come together at this point. So a lot of people felt it. And we had video from TV shows being taped, uh, kind of these uh, like judge courtroom type shows where, uh, and others where people ran out ran outside this probably really a studio and not a courtroom uh even though there were things that they could have gotten under to protect themselves we said we really need to kind of focus in this message there were other uh really kind of controversial messages being shared at the time of what you should do and we said this is important and and, and so it kind of became focused more so around that as the, the fundamental uh kind of activity of the drill but really it's still you know, it's like a fake quake to uh, to have people uh, practicing. And of course, we encourage all sorts of of practicing of different aspects of emergency plans, not just doing drop cover hold on or lock cover hold on where you're in a wheelchair or other device with the with wheels. So, you know, walk, lock those wheels and not get down on the ground, but instead cover your head, bend over. Uh, so all of these kind of related messaging about how to be safe, what to do when you're driving or if you're in bed or uh, in different places uh, are, are part of it. But also uh, how you're going to and if you're going to practice an evacuation and a reunification or have a tabletop exercise or or even a, a, a full scale exercise with people in makeup as if they've been injured and bring brought to a central place for a triage and all, all of that. So, and that happens each year in thousands of locations still um, now you know, uh, around this California, around the country and other countries too. So it starts off in, in California as, as the drill um, and then and it has spread. I mean, I've I talked to some people in New Zealand that participate in Australia that participated. Um, obviously, you know, we've seen the earthquakes in, in Japan and other parts of, of Asia. Uh, I'm assuming there's probably people participating there as well. Um, what is like the, the most, it's kind of a weird question, but what is like the most like obscure place that participates in drills that you wouldn't think would, would participate like Newfoundland or something like that? Uh, well, we've, we've heard and we've seen, you know, social media posting of, of uh, uh, classrooms in England, uh, which really you don't think about with earthquakes uh, and uh, obscure, uh, uh, you know, really across the country in states that are, have few earthquakes. The message that we always say is, even if you don't have earthquakes where you are, you might travel where an earthquake might happen, either, you know, for vacation, uh, for school, you might, you know, go to college in, in another place. Uh, you might, of course, for work. Uh, and, you know, we have stories of people who do go to other places and, and where there are earthquakes or tsunamis. Famous story from 2004 of a, uh, of a young student who warned people because she had studied and learned that what the signs of a tsunami were. Uh, I think she was from Sweden, I, I believe, on vacation in believe Thailand uh, and uh, so so that knowing what to do even if you're you know it's be kind of the equivalent of someone from Southern California having some sense of what to do if they were someday in a in a tornado in the Midwest right so um, 
and we all kind of have our kind of maybe our movie influenced ideas for these things uh, and or you know other pop culture references and TV shows. And what I've been really happy to see and it, it, you know, are we having this impact because of the messaging and the repeat and the visuals of the drills, but uh, in more recent movies and TV shows, people are getting down under desks or tables. You know, they're not standing in doorways, which should right. never have been recommended. Uh, it's not safe in a doorway. Uh, you might end up being okay, but you probably uh, would have been okay wherever you were uh, in that situation. If the building really did come down and you were in the doorway, it's going to get you. Uh, uh, I mean, it's not some magical force field around the door keeping all the all the building components around you so getting under something is really what's been recommended by our urban search and rescue firefighters who, who actually pull people out of of rubble um, but mostly it's because the in, injuries that are happening in earthquakes are largely due to falling or flying objects falling furniture uh, lamps uh, other you know collectible items televisions all these things that are in our space that, if not secured, can become projectiles in the large um, shaking of an earthquake. Yeah, I remember we had the the Easter earthquake. Uh, wow, many years ago now, and uh, was that just south of the border in 2010? Yeah, 2010. Yeah, and we felt it. I, I was living in Whittier at the time. I felt the way up there, and I was in bed taking a nap, and um, the only thing. I could do at the time was just take pillows and put it over my head and hopefully the, the plate glass window didn't break, you know, and, and just having that. I remember my sister, this is kind of why the, the story's kind of funny. So my sister comes running into the, into my, the bedroom and she's like, you know, she's from New York. Right. And she's like, is this what I think it is? I go, yeah, it's an earthquake. I said, just, you know, you know, just get down. You're, you're going to be okay. And um, then there was the following year or close to a year. Um, the Washington DC earthquake occurred and she's in New York and she's like, ah, I've been through one of these. I know what to do. You know, like, so, so it's just like having that little bit of an experience sometimes um, helps you out. So practicing that can go back yeah. to, you know, the fake drills here, the fake earthquake, if you will, uh, really puts that mental mind of that into how to, how to react. I think that's, that's critical. Um, I do want to ask you a question. So the, one of the first earthquakes I've ever was involved with a guy from New York, I was in Japan uh, for the Kobe earthquake. And that was actually the day, same day, a uh, year later, I think, um, of the Northridge earthquake. And then the other day, Mexico had an earthquake again, the same day as the last two large earthquakes, the Mexico City earthquake of, was it 85, and then the earthquake a couple years ago, same date. And then, then on the 19th, they had another one with a pretty significant aftershock today, I believe. Um, do earthquakes follow that pattern like of a of the day i mean is or is it just a weird thing that occurs well we try to schedule them uh, no, i'm just kidding yeah no they're they are uh it's it's entirely uh kind of to the day level we're really talking about pretty random factors here uh there 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 are reasons why are earthquakes happen when they do in terms of the level of strain that's been built up on the faults that they occur on and the movement and, and all that building up. But, um, you know, this, there are some earthquakes that might happen because that strain is so regular and they happen 
for example, in Central California, uh, not to the day, but to every there, there, there's a place that for a while is looking like pretty close to every 22 years had a, had a magnitude six or so earthquake called Parkfield. Uh, and so having noticed that scientists put a lot of instruments there ready for it to happen, I believe it would have been in like 1988. And it didn't happen until 2004, I think. So if I remember right. So uh, that's kind of one level. The day of is, is, is uh, odd, but not um, strange. I know Dr. Lucy Jones was talking about it as, uh, I guess there's a, a statistics that if you have, you can have as few as 23 people together uh, and it would be a 50% chance that there would be uh, two or more people with the same birthday among that group. Even though there are 365 days of the year, you only need uh, 23 people to have that. So there's something about that. It's just the way that random uh, occurrences can happen. Um, you know, there have been other big earthquakes in Mexico that haven't been on that day. Um, and, uh, um, you know, they are now doing a big annual earthquake drill uh, on that date because mm -hmm. of not all, well, mainly because of the 1985 earthquake, uh, but um, now these others. And, and it is, I can imagine a, a strange thing to do an earthquake drill and then to have an actual earthquake or whichever <laughs> way it happens. Uh, right. I think it's happened um, after the drill uh, yes. these last couple of times. So, uh, and yeah, and then of course the, the Kobe earthquake and Northridge earthquake <clears> similar day. It's just a random thing uh, at that at that distance, for sure. Absolutely, and a couple other rumors that I, you know, or folk tales, whatever you want to call, you know, people talk about the idea of earthquake weather. Oh, it's earthquake weather, um, and then so your again, your colleague that was on TikTok did a great job of answering that, but I think it was kind of funny because somebody was talking about in the question and answer area or the question area or common area, I should say, talking about um, how how global warming is impacting earthquakes. Um, does weather have anything to do with earthquakes? Generally, no. The, the, once you're, you know, earthquakes happen several kilometers or miles deep within the earth where, where they originate and weather really doesn't affect anything. You know, it's pretty stable once you get down at just a few feet, uh, kind of year round. Uh, you know, there are, uh, many studies that have been done in, uh, on this on weather on the effects of the tides in, in the strain of the moon or the sun pulling on the earth and you know that that make has some logical uh uh sense to it that maybe if an earthquake was kind of soon to happen that that the tide moving you know we think of the tides moving the the water um but they do pull the earth uh towards the moon when it goes around a little bit you know there's a little bit of a of a factor there so maybe it, it maybe an earthquake happens that was just earlier or or maybe even it's delayed because of that um but not only because of that uh, there you know you could have a big storm with drop a lot of water on an area that that fills up the reservoirs and really puts pressure down you might have uh, kind of an earthquake kind of related to that uh, but but generally it's not like a certain weather type that just because it's hot or just because it, you know it, most of that is 
our memory of what it was like in some significant earthquake. And it's kind of that way again. And so we're worried, you know, it's, <laughs> it's super hot and dry in January in Southern California. And that's when we people remember how it was during the Northridge earthquake and, you know, and, and so some memory like that, but maybe another place that was super cold and wet <laughs> when the earthquake happened, <laughs> that's what they, they remember. So it, it's, um, you know, generally, we all like to see patterns and things. We're, right. we're 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 designed. Our brains are designed to see patterns and things. It's, it's helpful to be to be able to distinguish um, the patterns uh, in our environment. You know, be able to see the wild beast among the trees that's that's going to come get us uh, and see the pattern. So uh, we often are wanting to make patterns out of earthquakes too or other phenomena and sometimes it's just not really there right most the other one i hear another one i hear a lot and you know people even in professionals right like those of us that are supposed to know more than others talk about the idea that small earthquakes like those little you know threes and fours and fives are are reducing the strain on you know so there won't be a big earthquake uh can you talk about that myth a little bit Sure. So, you know, a, a uh, 7.0 earthquake is a million times larger than a 3.0 earthquake. It's the way that the logarithmic scale goes and the amount of energy that's released. Um, you go up from a 3 to a 4, that's 32. Well, 32 times 32 times 32 times 32 is, is a million. And that's how that works. And so you would have to, in some way, and it's not even quite like this really, but have a million 3.0s right kind of along the fault uh, where that the um, that 7.0 would otherwise happen really lined up perfectly in the right time period. And uh, and it just, that doesn't happen. We don't have that many earthquakes and it would, it would take, you know, certainly some thousands of years, thousands of years or so to, to have that many. And they're just uh, not in the right location. And, even that is a, a simplification of a lot of the factors that go into having a large earthquake. Now, what uh, one aspect that's kind of to think about that is a large earthquake is just a small earthquake that kept going. Um, you know, it, it gets larger as it ruptures more of the fault. And, uh, and again, there's many factors involved, but, but, uh, you know, the magnitude of an earthquake is generally related to the surface area that it ruptures, mm. rather the length and the depth of the fault or the width of, width of the fault. And so you have to have a bigger fault in, tor- in order to have a bigger earthquake. You can't just put a fault, I mean, an earthquake, say that an earthquake is going to happen just anywhere. It has to have a large enough uh, fault for that uh, earthquake to rupture, generate shaking, at, on, on all along the fault uh, and the larger the earthquake it's not going to be like a bullseye where the epicenter was that's only for small earthquakes the shaking is going to be coming off of that entire length of the fault so like the san andreas shakeout scenario a 7.8 earthquake uh, is going to rupture for about a um, uh, 100 miles or so along the san andreas 
and all along that is going to be generating energy shaking that's going to be coming off so it's almost like a train coming along the fall you're going to kind of hear the hear the rumbling in the distance you're going to start to feel that rumbling but it's going to be shaking from a distance so it's not going to be so intense but it's going to take a while to get to you and then the, as the earthquake if it's coming towards you along the fault the the shaking you're going to start to feel uh shaking closer to the fault so it's going to be because you're closer it's going to be stronger but it's also going to be take less time to get to you and then eventually it's going to it might go past you and you might keep feeling shaking coming at you from that fault rupturing further away again so just like a train kind of gets louder as it comes and goes uh and uh, so the pattern of shaking is not a, any type of bullseye at that point. It's really stretched out over the length of the fault. And you know, so as you get larger earthquakes, even than that, we don't really think in California we can have more than a uh, 8.1 or so along the San Andreas. Uh, even if going from a 7.8 to an 8, that actually has to double the length of the fault, just going up 0.2. Mm. So you're already very large, very long, and then you have to double it to, to get to uh, that larger earthquake. So it, and you'd have to double it again. So the, where we have earthquakes that can be that big are along the subduction zones where plates, uh, oceanic plates are diving beneath the continental plates like off, um, and like with, like within Mexico on the Pacific coast of Mexico, Pacific coast of South America, the Aleutian islands in Alaska, Japan, where cold ocean plates are going down at a low angle beneath the continents. They stay cold. That means they can they, they stay brittle. They can break deeper into the Earth's crust. So you can have maybe a thousand kilometers uh, along, uh, along the ground, but it could go maybe 400 kilometers deep. And all of that then can break. And that you can get a much bigger uh, surface area. In California... Fortunately, our, you go about 20, 30 kilometers down, you get to the ductal zone, as it were. It, it's, it doesn't break. So our earthquakes can only get lo- larger, the magnitude, if you get longer along the fault. You have to get a very, and, and that's why San Andreas is the, the longest fault. Uh, other faults like the San Jacinto Fault is, uh, and Garlic Fault and, uh, and others are long in the in the Bay Area. There's the Haywire, sorry, Hayward Fault, for which there has been a, a scenario called the Haywired scenario, uh, studying that uh, what will happen in that and how it'll disrupt our connections of, of many types. So you have uh, that's the fortunate news is that most of our faults in in uh, California are much smaller than the San Andreas, and therefore can't have as big of earthquakes. So when we're planning for, for earthquakes as on that side of it, right? And we, pl- <clears throat> I always say plan for the biggest one you can possibly think about because then the small ones it'll work easier. Um, but some of the things that we we really need to consider, like even that five point eight, the Chino Earth earthquake knocked out communications um, in Long Beach, Los Alamitos, Whitt- Whitt- uh, Whittier, um, Seal Beach, uh, parts of Garden Grove. Um, you know, uh, uh, Palma, Cerritos. Everywhere. Well, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll add that not only knocked, may have knocked out some communications, but because so many people were calling each other and it, it, it overwhelmed the, the network. 
And that's why we have to not do that after an earthquake, but instead maybe text a quick text. And then if someone's okay, don't start having those conversations like, Oh, how was it for you? Or, you know, really leave the lines for the emergency um, responders to use. Yeah. And it, well, what it did is it shut down the central office because there's so many people were on the phone, the central office, the CEO for the, for AT, for ATT Verizon closed. Right. Yeah. And so we lost 911. So my point about that, that happened at noon, the earthquake happened yeah. well around lunchtime, right around noon. So more people were awake out and doing things. Um, and so Kevin, in back 2008, to- by the way, too, how many yeah. people, more people now are, are living on their phones than in 2008? This was before iPhone. It was just before the iPhone. Just before, you're right. Yeah. So I, I, we have to, it's, it, we're so reliant on checking that and being on it and all of that data and all that, you know, our, our cell, our telephone system is only set up to accommodate something like 20% of phone people, uh, people with phones being able to make a call at the same time on a given day, because we were not always making calls, fortunately, but in these moments when people do, yeah, it just it, uh, shuts it all down. Yeah, so making sure that you have a, a backup communications plan, you know, uh, yes. I think it's, it's critical. Um, and then I know that Dr. Jones wrote in her book, uh, the big one, that if that large scenario that we're talking about goes off, that we might be without water and other infrastructure uh, for months. Um, and so I, I think that's the other side of it, that we why we need to stress be participating in the great shakeout and using this as a really great, way for us as emergency managers to share this with the community whether it's you know or or if you're in a business uh with the people who you work with because this is really going to have a a major impact on how things go forward with especially here in southern california um you know you can find different scenarios and different products um on the great shakeout a website um how do you guys come up with those different uh, products and stuff to help out So ShakeOut was created based on the USGS uh, ShakeOut scenario, but we, we brought together a group I created in 2003 called the Earthquake Country Alliance as a public-private grassroots community leader uh, association of people who have worked together to create a lot of the materials that we provide and a lot of the guidance. So uh, broad consensus uh, across uh, emergency management and researchers and the public and you know how do how do we understand this and uh, and and uh, of course engineers and scientists and so at earthquakecountry.org you'll find the seven steps to earthquake safety which provide a, a really step by step approach to what to do to be safe before during and after we like to say so you're prepared to survive and recover and we have versions of that material in as uh, in, in, in each uh, in different formats and it and each step has extensive information for example how to secure all sorts of different things how to be safe in all sorts of different situations what to have in your kit uh, how to minimize your financial hardship uh, and what to do afterwards to to uh, you know when it's still a danger period, how to improve safety and then how to recover in the long time. So a lot of our guidance and videos and, and, uh, and other messaging are related to that. We have translated a lot of our resources. And uh, now we have 
uh, something like 13 documents in 15 languages, top languages uh, spoken in California uh, at earthquakecountry.org slash languages. And uh, we have a whole uh, separate website at terremotos.org in Spanish with all of that too. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that information. Um, <clears throat> and I would say, and we encourage people to join the Earthquake Country Alliance. Yes. Go to earthquakecountry.org slash join. Uh, you'll, you'll get our uh, emails about our webinars and, and workshops about our committees, such as the Higher Education Committee that you're a part of, Todd, given your background, um, and others that people can participate in and be a part of helping to make these documents. So we really welcome everybody to join. It's free, and it's just really about uh, working together to uh, it'll make a difference in our future earthquake safety. If a group could only do one thing on the Great Shakeout Day, what would you tell them to do? Well, if, if you only do one thing, it's certainly it's practicing what you would do to, to be safe during an earthquake. So I think people practice drop, cover, hold on where they are or lock, cover, hold on the equivalent if someone's in a wheelchair or walker, uh, their device with wheels. Uh, or, you know, where if you're out driving, you follow those instructions. And so at earthquakecountry.org slash step five, we have all of that, all what to do during an earthquake. And on ShakeOut, it's really described as well. But yeah, you, you go to shakeout.org before ShakeOut Day, you register that you're going to be doing a drill, so letting us know how many people. That's how we know that already we have 8.2 million people planning to participate this year in the California ShakeOut and uh, more than 14 million or so nationwide right now. All of this is growing and will, uh, will uh, be much larger by ShakeOut Day. But registering is important. You'll get our emails and information. You'll be able to um, uh, be a part of the, this you know, huge earthquake drill and, and be an example to others. As we, uh, with your permission, we will list your organization as participating on the website. And it does seem to inspire other people to uh, seeing how all the participants to also join. I've seen some really cool ways of getting people to participate um, at schools um, in the Great Shakeout, whether they do selfie contests, uh, give uh, tchotchkes and candy bars and things like this away uh, for participating. So there's so many kind of unique and interesting ways that you can get your organization to participate. And this year, the Great Shakeout Day is? October 20th. And while it's not required, most people uh, will participate at 10.20 a.m. So 10.20 a.m. on 10.20 in 2022. Uh, we kind of have that at that time based on the date each year. But you can have your drill at any time of that day, and you can have your drill any day of the year. Uh, it's not such a requirement, but and this is in your local time zone. So it's uh, it really is kind of like a reverse wave around the planet. Uh, people getting down rather than up uh, starts in Guam and uh, and goes around, you know, you know, ends in Hawaii or American Samoa. Uh, so it it uh, uh, most time zones have will have people participating. You know, it's kind of cool too is they have the the audio that you can borrow, um, download, and play. And uh, I would play that on the um, when we did our mass notification. That would be our message. It'd come out and it'd have like the sounds, the shaking, and things. Um, and it, it goes on for for a little bit. And I think that's a really neat uh, product that you guys have produced. 
um, uh, for it has a, a, some shaking sounds and also a narration of you know, it says, okay, here, we're about to do the drill. Here's what you do: drop it down to the ground, and kind of walks people through that. And importantly, also tells them that it's over and yeah. they can get out. Absolutely. Mark, thank you so for spending some time with us this morning. Don't forget, next month um, on the 11th of, of uh, October, Mark and I are going to do a webinar uh, based upon this with a little bit more detail, a little bit more time. It's a question and answer, so hopefully you can join us um, on the 11th. Look for your social media for more details on that. And Mark, again, thank you for your time. Thank you, Todd. Hey, everybody. Thank you for spending time with me this morning. And the great shakeout and, and earthquake drills are critical for safety and critical for getting people really in that mindset to understand what is happening. And I really do hope that you participate. Go to the Great Shakeout uh, website, register your organization and participate and really use the resources that are there. So until next time, everybody, please stay safe and stay hydrated.